2: The story is told of a famous actor who was at a social gathering, and there was a local pastor there as well, and the famous actor was asked to recite the 23rd Psalm. And the famous actors agreed to do so if the pastor would quote it as well. And he agreed, and so the actor went first, and with a beautiful, intoned voice and dramatic flair and fashion the actor stood and quoted the 23rd psalm and when he was finished there was a standing ovation for him and then it was the pastor's turn and he was an elderly gentleman and his voice was broken and raspy from many years of preaching and when he finished people were literally sitting there quietly crying and wiping the tears from their eyes and after the gala was over had concluded, someone went up to that actor and said, hey, what was the difference? Why when you recite the 23rd Psalm did you get a standing ovation? And why when he was finished, there wasn't a dry eye in the house? And the actor said, that's an easy question to answer. He said, I know the 23rd Psalm, but the pastor, he knows the good shepherd. And today, I want you to meet, I want you to know the Good Shepherd of John chapter 10. I have four major points in your outline, but before I get to those, I want to first give you the context. We're in John chapter 10. And in order to really understand John chapter 10, you have to know what's going on in John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man that had been born blind. He'd been blind his whole life, and Jesus healed him. Thumbs up or thumbs down? How many of you think that it's a good thing that Jesus healed a man born blind? Oh, that's a good thing. By show of applause, you're in church and Jesus shows up and there's an old boy sitting over there. He's been blind his whole life. Jesus walks over and heals that blind man by show of applause. How many of you say, Jesus, thank you for healing that guy. That was a good thing. Well, Jesus heals this man born blind and immediately the Pharisees and the religious leaders condemn Jesus for healing a man born blind. Because he healed him on the Sabbath. And in their minds, if he was the Messiah, he would have never broken the Sabbath. Therefore, Jesus must not be the Messiah. And of course, in John chapter 9, the context... The Pharisees actually threatened to kick anyone in the synagogue out of the synagogue if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so this theological argument began in John chapter 9 is Jesus the Messiah or is he not the Messiah? And they went back and forth, and finally they brought the blind man to give witness. And they asked him, What did he think? Do you think he's the Messiah? and the blind man responded by saying all i know is that i was blind and now i can see and if you read john chapter 9 and you look at verse 34 they threw the blind guy out of the synagogue and so jesus in john chapter 10 that's the context he uses an illustration He wants all those Pharisees to know that they don't get to decide who's in and who's out. He wants them to know that he is the fulfillment of those Old Testament scriptures, that he is the shepherd over all of Israel. And he tells this story in John chapter 10 in your Bibles. And I'll come back and I'll explain it. Verse 2, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. Verse 3. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 5, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from a stranger because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Verse 6, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was talking about. Then we skip down to verse 11. Jesus said these words, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He says again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. There's four things you need to know about the good shepherd. Number one, write this down. He knows your name. He knows your name. Now, last week, we talked about this. There were two kinds of uh, sheepfolds. One was out in the country. We talked about the one that was out in the country when they were out in the wilderness. But there's another sheepfold that's in the town. So when the shepherds came to town, they'd bring their flock, and they would put it in one large sheep pen. There could have been four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different shepherds and all of their sheep in one large sheep pen. And there would be one watchman who would watch all of them while the shepherds would go in town, all right? That kind of makes sense. And so if you look at verse 3, the Bible says that the watchman, he's the one looking over all the sheep in the big sheep pen, he opens the gate for him, for the shepherd. And the sheep listen to his voice, and the Bible says that he calls his own sheep by name. Every one of you in this room, God knows your name. He knows your first name. He knows your middle name. He knows your last name. He knows your maiden name. He even knows your nickname. You're not just a number to the Lord God. I have a Social Security number. To the IRS, I am just a number. They don't care about me. You are just a number to them. And you'll always be just a number to them. To my banker, I'm just a number. To my utilities company, I'm just a number. But to the Lord God, the Creator God of this universe, I'm not just a number. He knows my name. Now, on account of three, I want you to tell me your name. And I want you to hold it out. Like, like, ah, say it longer. One, two, three. Now, I got to tell you. That is indistinguishable to me. You almost sound like a bunch of lambs going, bad. <laughs> You see, if I went out to a sheepfold and there were, let's say, 3,000 sheep, don't be offended by this. You all would look the same to me. You all would sound the same to me. If I went out and saw... Three thousand sheep, I couldn't tell them apart. But not the good shepherd. The good shepherd to walk out to that same field, that same flock, that same fold, he would know every one of them. Uh, He would to me, I couldn't tell them apart, but he would know their uniqueness, their distinct qualities, their idiosyncrasies, their habits, their preferences. He would know their tendencies. He would know the tone of their. He would understand that. He would know who their parents were. He would know when and where they were born he would have a name for every one of them, and he would know that name. And he knows your name here today. If you came up here and saw what I saw, I can't hardly see up here, number one. Number two, I got all these lights in my face. Right even here, right now, you all just kind of look the same to me sitting out there. But did you know that there's a God in heaven that knows every single one of you? He knows where you were born. He knows who your parents were. He knows your name. He knows, got the hairs on your head number. He knows all about you including your idiosyncrasies and your habits and your tendencies and your distinct qualities. I want to ask you a question. How many of you, you're here today, not everybody gets in trouble, but some of you just, you tend to get in trouble all the time. You find trouble. If you're here today you're that type of person, you just find trouble. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Let me tell you something. God knows who you are. <laughs> How many of you here today, it just hurts to walk? When you walk, you hurt. It's your knees, your back your toe. How many of you, it hurts to walk. He knows your name. How many of you have a son or a granddaughter who went astray? They were raised in church. You taught them right, but they got caught up in the things of this world and they're, they're off track. And right now you, you are sitting here and you have a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter who've left the faith and they're walking down a path that they should not be walking. How many of, how many of you, that's, that's who you are right now? God knows your name. How many of you right now, your cash flows, just not much cash to the cash flow. Raise your hand if that's you right now. Yeah, yeah, God God knows your name. How many of you need a miracle right now in your life? You just need a miracle. You need God to show up right now. He knows who you are. And my last question, how many of you Wrestle with some sin it might be fear, it might be doubt it might be an addiction it, it, it could be something that you're tempted but right now you're, you're battling it's about, you think you're about to lose this battle but how many of you are wrestling with some sin in your life you'd admit that right now God knows your name I want to show you this quote, pay attention to it it says that Satan knows your name and he calls you by your sin. But God knows your sin, and He calls you by your name. The Bible says in Psalm 147, verse 4, that He determines the number of stars, and He calls each of them by name. In our one galaxy, our little, tiny, itsy-bitsy galaxy called the Milky Way, there are some 200 billion stars in our galaxy. But they tell us that there are. there's a rough estimate that there are perhaps as many as 10 trillion galaxies. We don't even know how many galaxies there are. And in every one of those galaxies and in every one of those stars, God knows every star and he knows the name of every star and he knows every person in this room and he knows every name of every person in this room. Number two, write this down. He leads his flock by his example. The Bible says that he calls his own sheep by name and then he leads them out. And this is very important for us to understand that Jesus leads by example. When he called his very first disciples, his very first words were, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He's not a leader that stands off to the side and begins to bark and yell instructions. That's not the type of leader he is he's the leader that comes in amongst you he he gets in your midst and you get used to him and you understand that he's there to help you you understand that he's there because he cares for you He, he could be anywhere else but he chooses to be around you and then one day he says to you hey come follow me and i will show you how to get through any problem that you're facing today i'll never forget years ago i was over in israel and I was up on this hill, this real steep hill. I'm at the top, and it's this natural amphitheater where they believe that Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount and seeing the Sea of Galilee and the city of Capernaum and just imagining all that Jesus did here. And I looked down, and it was long ways away, but I could see it. Down at the very base, there was a shepherd who had a large flock of sheep. And they were trying to get through this narrow pass in this thick brush, And I I could see that the shepherd did not get in the back and he was like trying to corral the sheep. That's not what he did. He didn't take his rod or his staff, the shepherd's crook, and try to to beat them and try to get them through. He didn't yell at them. I watched. I I saw it. It was just a really narrow area through the thicket and he was trying to get the sheep on the other side where they could get to greener pasture. And I watched as Jesus just kind of walked amongst the sheep he got to that narrow passage, and I saw him get down and kind of brace his way, and make his way through that thick uh, brush. And it was like a bottleneck, just like on the four hundred and five freeway. You saw all the sheep, and they would funnel down into a single file. And as he was the first one that got through there, they were following him single file. And I watched as he brought those sheep to the other side of those of those thickets. And that's exactly how Jesus leads. Amen. Jesus never asked you to do anything that he did not first do himself. He never asked you to love your neighbor as yourself until he first came to love this entire world. He never asked you to give. He never asked you to give until he first came and was willing to give everything he had on your behalf, even his very self. He never asked you to forgive unless he first came to forgive on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He never asked you to be obedient until He first came to be obedient to His Heavenly Father. Read John chapter 17. It's just a few chapters away. The whole chapter writes, He's a prayer that Jesus is praying about how He came to this earth to bring glory to His Father by being obedient. And whenever Jesus leads you, a couple things, write this down, He will never lead you down the wrong path. He always leads you down the right path. If you hear Him leading you, He's never going to lead you down the wrong path. It's always the right path. Why do we argue when Jesus is speaking to us? Like, Lord, I don't know if I want to do that. Just do it. (laughs) He's leading you down the right path. Amen? Amen? And the second thing, write this down. Whatever path that is, whatever He's leading you to do, you need to be obedient and to follow after Him. I mean, just do whatever it is the Lord is calling you to do. He's the good shepherd, amen? amen? Just one quick verse, Matthew chapter 11. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your what? A yoke is, is a wooden uh, piece of equipment that's got, that's, that's got a, it's, it's tied together and it's two openings and you would put that around the neck of oxen and the oxen would plow the field and jesus looks at us and he says you need to take my yoke upon you in other words he's already in there you need to get in there and get your head in there and get yoked right right there together next to jesus and we all fight i don't know if i want to i don't know if i want to go in there just get in there And He will lead you every step of the way. Jesus will be with you. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will even do most of the work. And if you just trust in Him, trust in Him, He will always lead you down the right path. And as it says there, you will find rest for your soul. It's better to be yoked to Jesus than to be out here doing whatever it is that you think that you want to be doing. He will always lead you down the path of righteousness. Point number three, write this down. The good shepherd, everybody say good shepherd. He has a personal relationship with his flock. The Bible says that the watchman opens up the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his what? They listen to his voice. I want you to write this down. The sheep recognize the shepherd's voice. Remember, they go in this pen, and there's all kinds of sheep in there from all different kinds of shepherds. The good shepherd walks in there. He calls each sheep by name, and he leads them out, and they they listen to his voice. A couple of weeks ago on national TV, Joy Behar from The View claimed that anyone who claims to hear God's voice has mental illness. It was an attack against our vice president, who is a born-again Christian, and it was a slam against all believers. What Joyce Bayar failed to understand is that all true believers hear the voice of God. It is a biblical principle. It's called prayer and Bible reading. Prayer is when you, the sheep, talk to the shepherd. And when you read God's Word, this is God's Word. This is the voice of God. This is God speaking to you. You say, you say, time out, preacher. Do you really think sheep can understand the shepherd's voice? Let me ask you a question. Do you think your dog understands your voice how many dog people we got out here now when you talk to your dog how many of you think your dog be honest don't raise your hand if you don't think he does how many of you dog owners believe that your dog recognizes your voice let me ask you this question and this question is hard for me to even ask you you talk about mental illness How many cat people do we have here? (laughs) Now, all you cat people, listen to me. Us dog people, we can't understand you. But if you're a cat person, raise your hand and be honest. I want to ask all you cat people. Do you think that your cat recognizes your voice? If you're a cat person and you believe that, raise your hand. You think your cat recognizes you. Look at all you. Look at all you. Listen, if a dog can recognize his owner's voice and if a cat (laughs) can understand its owner's voice, well, then surely a sheep can hear and understand the voice of his shepherd.
1: Amen. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. that number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Deep in the heart of every believer, there's a faint whisper, a call, a prompting. We go about our business and we hear it. We see and interact with lost people every day and the whisper echoes again for us to share our faith and tell others about Jesus. And yet we still resist. In his latest book, Compelled, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shares his earnest desire for each and every believer to be equipped with the good news of salvation. He encourages you with inspiring stories of men and women, young and old, who have accepted the irresistible call to share Jesus with everyone they meet and he provides practical methods to overcome your fears and effectively articulate the message of salvation. Thousands of readers have already taken advantage of this incredible book, and now it's here for you. Compelled, the irresistible call to share your faith, can be yours right now for a gift of $15 or more to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as easy as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888 818 You can also get Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith on our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover for yourself the strength that awaits inside you to speak boldly to others of how Jesus Christ has changed your life forever. Don't hesitate. Call us right now and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's latest book, Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith, today. Hello friends,
0: my name is Dusty Frizzell and I want to invite you to our Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right, we're adding a fourth service. Worship service starts at 7 p.m. and it's for all ages. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there.
1: I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at the same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.